the Behind the Seams podcast. I'm your host, Nunzio Signore, looking to bring you great dialogue with some of the best in the world of player development. The world of training baseball players has changed dramatically during the past few years, and I'm looking forward to shedding some light here on what's the latest, what's the best, and what's really happening in the world of player development. Thanks for joining me for the ride. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Before we begin, I want to tell you about our new remote training programs here at RPP. We've been offering remote training for quite some time, but we always required athletes to come in-house for assessments. Now, we can do the whole assessment online, and we're really excited about bringing all of our services, pitching, hitting, and strength training, to your doorstep. So if you like what we do and how we do it, check it out on our website at rocklandpeakperformance.com under remote training in the toolbar. Thanks. Hey, welcome to another episode of Behind the Seams Podcast. This is a really great one for me. Today, we're sitting down with my head strength and conditioning coach, Zach Kohler. Zach has been with me for three years and has been by far one of the greatest experiences I've ever had with an employee and also a great friend at this point. He's on his way off to uh, work with the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to miss him, but I know he's got Omar worked in well. Zach attended Oswego State, receiving his bachelor's in wellness management, and then he attended Bloomsburg University and got his master's in exercise science in 2020. So today we're going to talk a little bit about where we are so far in the off-season. We're about midway through, and I thought it would be great for you guys to hear about some of the things that we're doing, some of the results that we've gotten, and... Um, at this point, I'm going to welcome to the show Zach Kohler. Zach, welcome, man. Hey, Nance. Thanks for having me again. This is going to be a great one for me, man, because uh, I'll tell you, I'm going to really miss you, brother. Me, me as well. So in retrospect, talk to us a little bit about working here and uh, some of your aha moments and just the experience of working in this environment. Yeah, so I've been here uh, coming up on three years now um, in February, and it's been an unbelievable learning experience. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot when I was in school and uh, especially in grad school. And then coming here and just being able to kind of see how everything kind of gets put into the works um, and how you can kind of divvy up certain things to make it all kind of work together. Um, especially the velocity-based training aspect of it, it's been uh, huge for me. Once I got here, you know, I, I kind of had my eyes opened uh, big time to a different way of uh, training and Ever since then, I've kind of fallen in love with it, and I, uh, you know, I advocate for it a lot with uh, guys that come and go between college and here, uh, and you know, I kind of just try to educate them just on how we do things, and you know, just how it how it is such a good way of training, and how it's just such a smart way of training. Um, is, isn't it amazing how at first guys are a little hesitant to use it, and then by the time they leave here, they're like, "Yo, dude, how do I get one of these things?" Right? Yeah, and a lot of times getting guys to buy into it um, sometimes can be a little pain. But once they actually kind of use it and they actually see the benefits of it, uh, you know, they, they just kind of it, it becomes second nature to them. I think what a lot of strength coaches should learn also is it really, really makes you able to just focus on form a lot because you're not so worried about how much weight the guy's putting on the bar. That's kind of like his gig at this point, right? Yeah. And I will say that it kind of makes the athlete accountable uh, once they understand pretty much what they're looking for when they're using it. Uh, it just kind of drives them to 
do things the right way. Um, and it, it kind of takes a lot of the thinking out of it for them. They, they just know that they're looking for a certain number. Um, and obviously we explain what those numbers mean to them and what it correlates to, but when they're actually training and using it, they, they literally just have to move the weight at a certain speed and they know that they're doing things the right way. I got to say another thing, um, is the, your ability to program at this point when you first started and we were taking you through how to program and the different templates that we've used, I watch you now and it's, you know, you're like, you individualize training programs at the drop of a hat. And I've watched all our guys come in here. I think one of the big things that guys learn when they get out of here by the time they leave here is how to develop an individualized program really well. You know, and you, you've just, uh, you've really, really sunken into that. So I thought today we would, it'd be great for you and I to just sit down. Uh, you've got like a month here left, and I just thought maybe me and you could reminisce about um, training, and we can take a look at some of the results that we get. We always start our baseline assessment in September, October, November, whether they're pro, college, or high school. They start at different times. We do a baseline assessment, and then right around now, we hit a midline point for our high school guys, and we reassess. And I just wanted to tell the listeners here some of the things that we usually see. Because we're in the early off-season and we're training primarily strength, we're seeing what we expect to see. We're seeing the trap bar deadlift, the single leg squat, and the bench. Guys from September and October to now are up on average between 18 and 20% on their trap bar deadlift and on their bench. That's a 20% increase in strength, which is great. They're even up in power, which I think is really surprising, being the fact that we're just starting to train power at this point now. It'll be great to see what happens in March when we're looking at the final results. And we've seen about a 3% increase in their weight. So these are really great results. And um, I think we should talk a little bit about why we're seeing such great results in strength. I just want to mention one other thing, their ability to decelerate on their lead leg. We test that with a lead leg RSI. Their ability to get in and out of that front leg has gone up 18%. And we have not done a lot of power testing. So we have to attribute that to the actual 18 to 20% in strength as, as well. Probably getting these guys on the strength side of power, increasing their ability to actually stabilize that lead leg. So the first thing we should talk about is our baseline assessment and how have we done things differently this year. One thing we did was we implemented a different type of assessment where we can better see lowest hanging fruit as well as the athlete seeing lowest hanging fruit. I had gotten together with Graham Lehman, who is a really, really smart guy, and he had developed a system, honestly, that we took and ran with in here using a lot more equipment that was available to us. Graham's was more along the lines of looking at a profile that you can do on the field. This was looking deeper and deeper into it. Zach, why don't you talk about that a little bit and some of the things we look at? Yeah. So I think the changes that we made this past year have just enhanced it and kind of made it a little bit easier for uh, the general population or you know parents and athletes to to really just look at and and truly understand what they have to train, what their lowest hanging fruit is. Some of the stuff that is just summarized basically in our report that we give them uh, is their mobility of their lower half, the mobility of their upper half, um, their overall strength, their power of their upper half and lower half. Um, and then we look at elasticity and deceleration and their body comp. And I think it's, again, just an easier way to actually identify which out of those categories is the most essential for them to get better. Um, and that's definitely helped us this year in programming. I think it's easier to look at 
they all kind of go hand in hand. If somebody's strength is low, um, then generally we're going to see that their power is a little bit lower and their deceleration might be a little subpar. Um, so the easiest answer for that is to just work on their strength. Um, and I think, you know, throughout this off season, we've, we've done a pretty good job of maybe keeping guys in max strength for two months or three months and just kind of taking things a little bit slower because that's what their assessment initially uh, called for. And it's just easier for everybody as a whole to actually understand and, and, and look at. And I think that we don't spend as much time on giving guys what you would think is the status quo of what they should have. We actually give them what they need. And I'll tell you, we do this reassessment every year, 20% increases in strength. We generally average around 15, 20% increases in strength is the highest that we've seen yet. I personally have to attribute it to spending more time on the actual training adaptation that the athlete needs. Do you agree? Yeah. And I think also going back and forth with the athletes and explaining to them that, Hey, you're going to stay in max strength or you're going to go from sub max to max over these next two or three months. Um, and just reiterating that we are in essence working on their power because everybody's kind of in a different boat sometimes like there might be guys in three different phases in one month um, just because they need that um, a lot of that's based off of their their strength testing and then uh, as well as their jumps um, to look at kind of just what they need and overall I think it's important that the athlete understands kind of the direction we're going and that um, just letting them know that we, we are working towards the same goal as some of these other guys but it's just taking a different avenue uh, to that to that goal. That's really important fact because I think a lot of people think about when you're training power, it has to be fast. No, power has two elements to it. It has velocity and it has force. Working on the force side is what, especially with young guys, that's generally what these guys are way lopsided on. Their lowest hanging fruit is strength. I mean, would you say with younger guys, obviously the lowest hanging fruit is strength and also body comp, right? Yeah, definitely. They're, I mean, just like I said earlier, like this, this report, a lot of the things go hand in hand. Um, if their, their body comp is low, which generally a lot of them are a little bit underweight, um, they're going to put on some size, but they're also going to get stronger in the process. Um, so definitely those two are the biggest things that, that we generally have to work on when guys come in and they're a little bit younger. That's great. And also that I think one of the biggest things we looked at so far was that lead leg RSI and deceleration and how they decelerate off that lead leg. And that also involves a little bit with our pitching coaches. And I'm going to, I'm going to interview those guys. They're starting to ramp up now. So we're going to do kind of like a, a, a kind of a summary with those guys as well. So once we get that assessment done, let's talk a little bit about what we do about it. Let's start with the early offseason and tissue prep. Just for the audience, tissue prep is we have a guy coming back from an, a long in-season. They're a little gritty, you know what I mean? And what we need to do is we need to regroove good movement patterns. That involves uh, doing things slowly with slow eccentric movements and lighter weight. We're not ready for those tissues to accept a lot of load yet. We're using 50 to 60% of their one rep max. And we're using long eccentric movements, maybe three seconds down. What this does is this helps groove that pattern. It helps us work on form and it gets those tissues ready to accept heavier loads. From there, we go into hypertrophy too. If you want to talk a little bit about that, Zach. Yeah. So um, hypertrophy two is basically working in submaximal loads. Uh, we typically use anywhere from 75 to 80%. Um, on the VBT side of it, that's anywhere from 0.5 to 0.6. We use that, that velocity to figure out exactly where 
guys need to be be training. And then from there, um, we take them to anywhere from five to nine reps. And basically what we use the VBT for is we, we use velocity loss. And that velocity loss correlates to uh, muscle teardown. Um, and we take guys in hypertrophy to, to about 30%. And the reason that we do that is because in your standard hypertrophy, uh, the best way to do it is working to failure and working with athletes. We don't necessarily need to go to complete failure. I just don't think it's a, it's a safe way to, to train guys. Um, so instead we take them to, you know, close to failure and that's where that 30% velocity loss comes into play. It's a little bit safer way of doing it while also working towards the adaptation that we're looking for. Just for guys to understand, uh, to, to understand a little better, when we say velocity loss, VBT will take your first rep or your best rep, and you can you can program whichever one you want. But we use first rep. Actually, the second rep is usually the best. But we use the first rep, and you rep out until the velocity equals a thirty percent less of that first rep. And at that point, we know the athlete's done. So in looking at five to nine reps, we want them to try to be on the higher side because we know as they fatigue from set to set, those reps are going to go down. We don't want to see less than five reps and we don't want to see more than nine, right? So we, we see not, we see 10, put some weight on the bar. We see four, you got to go lighter. From there, we go into max strength. Now we've done tissue prep. We've got the tissue quality a little bit ready to be loaded. And then we worked on hypertrophy to the fast twitch fiber. And now we're going to work on how fast it can contract. And that's our classic strength training. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so in max strength, um, the past, I would say, two years, we've we've been implementing chains with it. Um, and we're basically just trying to get guys as strong as they can um, in these either one month or, or two months of max strength before we transition into more of a power um, development. And basically, we're just trying to move things faster after max strength. Um, so with power, there's, like you said, there's the, the force side of it and the velocity side. So max strength, we're working on the force side of it. And I think using chains the past couple of years have, have definitely helped with guys producing force over the entire movement. Um, and then when we transition into the velocity side of it and working on, you know, the, the power development side, um, we've had pretty good success with that um, as of late. Using this trio, tissue prep, hypertrophy 2, and max strength, I've found that since we started implementing this, getting guys to do that tissue prep phase, that is like, I can't emphasize enough how important it is. We will sacrifice almost anything to get a guy to have enough time to get himself into a tissue prep phase before we try any kind of strength training, whether it's hypertrophy 2 or max strength. Guys who... Go, with, go through even three weeks of a tissue prep phase, their results at the end of an off-season is exponentially better. So now we're at the point where we are right now and we're in power development and we're only going to go up to power development because we're going to talk about this more in March when we get our end results. We've got their tensile strength with tissue prep and then we got them strong and now we're starting to take the, that strength and get fast with it and we're using power development where we use bands and we're using PAP and we're going to talk a little bit about PAP uh, in a minute when we get to throwing and when the intensity of throwing ramps up the intensity in the weight room has to go up too, but volume has to go down. So that does bring us to where we are now. Our guys have started to ramp up. Many of them are in a velo phase just before we have to blend them to mound. So let me just explain a little bit of how we work the weight room in conjunction what goes on in the tunnel. When work in the tunnel is light, work in the weight room is heavy, but it's also high volume. We take advantage of high volume in the weight room when the 
training uh, stress on the arm in the tunnel is low. So for example, when a guy's on ramping, that is a incremental volume and intensity starting from very low. So in the weight room, we can use high amounts of volume and we don't have to use a lot of weight. So that is where our hypertrophy two and our tissue prep come in where we're not using maximal loads. And then they start to throw in a velocity phase, a pull down phase where we're at right now. And that's when the throwing velocity and intensity is high. We want that intensity in the weight room to be high too. And when I say intensity, I'm talking about load. So that's where PAP comes in because it's high load with low volume. And for you guys who don't know what PAP is a little bit, I'll let Zach talk about that. Yeah, so PAP basically stands for uh, post-activation potentiation. And all that really means is we're using a load that's going to stimulate the muscle and recruit as many motor units as we can. Um, and, and then followed by a ballistic movement, whether it be jumping or throwing a med ball is how we do it. Um, what are the sets and reps for that? Yeah, so we work uh, three sets by three reps. So it's very low uh, low volume, um, but the intensities are a little bit higher. We work anywhere from 80 to 90%. So there's a perfect example of the intensity right now in the tunnel with pull downs and throwing hard in our velocity phase. The intensity of the throwing is high. The intensity and the load in the weight room is high, but the volume is low. That's a huge thing to remember. I think that's another thing that when I have to think about some of the things we've done to change, I think in the last couple of years, we've not only changed what we do in the weight room, we have taken more into consideration it marrying well with what they're doing in the tunnel. And I think one of the things that I've really learned a lot um, and I've noticed a lot is how much our pitching coaches have taken an interest in what's happening in the weight room as well. And I think once your pitching coach understands the concept of strength training and the, the, the match of intensities in the weight room and in the tunnel, that is a huge, huge thing because they're like their second dad. We strength train them, but I can tell you right now, when they really, when they, you really need to get something across to somebody, the guy's pitching coach is like the guy. Our pitching coaches this year have, have really done a good job of actually trying to understand exactly how the progression of the offseason and working through all the throwing, whether it's the on-ramp, the velo phase, the, the mound blending, um, and just kind of piecing together like the strength side of it. Um, they've done a good job of, of pairing up the certain days, whether their, their throwing intensity is high. They know that their, their lifting intensity needs to match up with that. And I think that's a reason that we've seen a lot of these guys have success uh up to this point and we're not really into like the nitty-gritty part of the actual velo phase um so i'm definitely excited to see how these guys progress over these next next two months and there's two big things that i notice about exactly what you're talking about number one yesterday i even came down to you and i said dude i'm looking at the physicality of these guys and i think about the physicality of the guys i mean we've always been known to build guys out but when you come in now We've got guys like I don't I can't I can't see a guy that doesn't look really in great shape in the entire gym at this point. I keep looking around and I have to attribute that to these changes that we're talking about. And also guys with the use of the pulse units and matching weight room with the tunnel. This year we have had less guys that are telling us that their arms are bothering them. We're already into the velo phase and like, you know, last week or two weeks ago when we started that, that was usually when we start hearing like, oh man, my arm's killing me, my arm's killing me. We're filling out um, injury reports and it's really just honestly, it's just guys who aren't used to throwing hard. This year, I haven't really seen that happening. 
Before we sum this up, I wanted to talk a little bit about the four to six weeks that we have our college guys here too, because this is like a really great time for us, because we get to see a lot of the guys that we've been training for years that have gone off to school, coming back, and a lot of guys in that first year, we tell guys, listen, if you're not where you want to be yet, and you need to get more athletic, spending your first year, summer, and your fall here is a huge thing to do to get more athletic. We've been doing this this college elite program for so much in the winter that we have a lot of college coaches telling their guys, listen, man, here's your workout we want you to do in the winter break. And a lot of guys will tell them, our guys will tell them, listen, I'm working out over RPP. We've, we've developed a trust with these coaches. They go, if you guys are working out at RPP, great. And that's not always the case. We have guys that want to come in and do their own program. We obviously don't have guys doing that. A quick call to their coach, and the coach is like, guys, completely fine. Do what you want to do. So um, we're really just trying to get the guys ramped up and get them throwing hard. We don't have a lot of time to make gigantic changes on guys. So hopefully their first part of their offseason when they were at school, they were working on that strength and tensile strength and tissue prep. So when we get them in here now, we're not spending a lot of time just trying to get them strong. If we're trying to get a Division One college guy strong in the month of December, um, somebody's not doing their job. We kind of work with everybody. We're dealing with Basically, 18 to 21-year-old guys, 22-year-old guys, athletic, high-level players. So they all kind of need the same thing at this point. This would be, I would say, one time of the year where we put out a program for those guys because we can't possibly assess everybody and make drastic changes in four to five weeks. So this will be the one month where we kind of give them a throwing program, and they certainly can do their college's throwing program. But on the strength and weight room side, we work on transitioning them over to power as they transition onto throwing onto the mound hard as well. And that's that, Pat, that uh, Zach was talking about. What is your actual experience with working with these guys and how receptive they are to, um, I mean, you know a lot of them, right? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I've I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and, and it, it is cool to see these guys for a couple of weeks and just kind of see the progress that they've made uh, over the course of the past couple of months when they're at school, especially the guys that are that are freshmen. Um, when they go off to school, they kind of like really get a taste of how college baseball is and, and what you actually have to do and, and the day-to-day life of it. And when they come back, um, it is a nice little switch up for them. You know, they, we just put them in PAP and for the most part, their, their strength is, is up. Um, and we're really just trying to get them ready to go. Um, and I think this year, especially we've had, we've had a lot of newer guys, I would say. Um, and just in talking to them, um, all of them feel really good. They all feel like they're ready to go. And, um, we've had a bunch of guys leave already, but in these next, you know, week, week and a half, um, we're going to pretty much lose everybody. But, um, for the most part, they're, they're all ready to go and, and they love it. It's great to ha- watch these guys train here and then watch their stats as they get into school. For me, these guys are like my, my second sons. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, all these guys, even in Zach included and all, all the guys that work for me, but these college kids, I mean, wh- I, some of these guys I've been training since they're 13 years old. So I'm looking at a guy that I've been training for six years. And it's a really, really great feeling for me to see them come back. So let's talk a little bit about what we expect to see in March. Um, you know, I, I think that being that we worked on strength so much in the early off season, we should see some gains in power. Would you say? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool to actually uh, see kind of the progress like throughout the the off season and kind of just look at where we are midway through. Um, 
obviously we've been training strength and I think we've done a, a, a good job this year of kind of being a little stern and keeping guys in a max training phase for two months, um, which is a little bit different than in years past. We, we have this progression and, and it works really well. Um, but I think with the combination of the new assessment and the way that we look at strength numbers and stuff, that it's just kind of pushed us uh, to give these guys a little bit more of what they need and, and, and not just think that they just have to go through um, this progression that we have laid out. Um, and I think that's a big reason why uh, our strength numbers are up a lot. And, and I do think that that also attributes to why our power numbers are up, even without really uh, that being the main focus. Um, but in these next couple of months, um, you know, we've, we've started to transition into power development and PAP, where we are working on moving faster um, while also maintaining their strength uh, throughout, you know, these, these last two phases. So I think when we roll around to March and, and we do a final testing, I think our numbers on everything should be up, uh, especially the power side of it, um, while also maintaining those strength numbers. Um, and I'm really interested to see the lead leg uh, RSI numbers um, because we've we've transitioned to a, a lot more unilateral stuff. And I, th I think a lot of guys have gotten a lot stronger on just their single leg stuff. So I'm really interested to see that number. I'm also really interested to see if we can transition some guys to more of a front foot landing, changing their front foot landing if need be, because a lot of these guys, when we first saw them, we suggested or we saw in their video that they were landing heel first, which that's fine. There's a lot of elite throwers that land heel first, but stopping your center of mass as quickly as you can, that will happen better with a flat foot if you actually can absorb those eccentric forces. So we've watched guys, their RSI on their lead leg come up exponentially, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can transition to a flat foot for those guys that were on a, on a heel first landing. That should create a higher deceleration pattern and transfer of force up the chain much better. And as you're sitting here talking, Zach, I got to tell you, man, the amount that you've learned from when you first got here, it makes me feel good about what we've been doing. Just just to hear you, the way you talk and the way you handle things, I'm really excited to see what lies ahead for you, man. You excited to get going? Yeah, I'm excited. And, and seriously, every day it's been, it's been awesome coming in here because there's not a day that I don't come into work and we we get talking about something random and, you know, one thing leads to another and then we're trying different things or doing research on it. And I'm grateful for it. And I, I'm excited to see what the future holds for me. Um, but I know that I'm, I come from a really good place and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loaded with all the necessary things. And a lot of that goes out to you. Thanks, man. And it's going to be all good for you, brother. I can tell you that right now. This is one of the things that's hard for me, private facility owner in the private sector, is I get guys and the guys that end up staying with me for the longest time, I can get guys for a year and they think they're ready and they're not. And they think they want to go to pro ball and they're not ready. Then I get guys to stay maybe two, three, four years. Those guys, they're always the guys that I'm, I'm ready to send out. And I make the calls and it happens. Couldn't be more happy for you. And uh, the thing that sucks is that I get emotionally attached to these guys because I work on such a close daily basis with them. I really make great contacts for the future, and I wish you all the best, and thanks for, for being with us uh, today. Appreciate it, Nunz. Awesome, man. Thanks. That's another po episode of Behind the Seams Podcast. You can reach out to me at, at Nunzio Signore on Twitter. My facility is at RPP underscore baseball on Twitter and Instagram. The website is rocklandpeakperformance.com, and I've got a book out on velocity-based training entitled How to Apply Science, Technology, and Data to Maximize Performance. You can get that on Amazon. It's released um, by Human Kinetics. 
I uh, hope you enjoyed today's program. Once again, I'd like to thank Zach Kolar, RPP Strength and Conditioning uh, Coordinator and uh, future Toronto Blue Jays Strength and Conditioning Coach. Until then, uh, see you next week on the Behind the Seams podcast. Take care.